Dr. Mike Bonham, Chief Medical Officer of Prosha, is back. Last time we talked about how pathology has been slow to adopt new technology using essentially the same equipment for the past 150 years. But have we finally reached the tipping point? And is AI the missing ingredient that will push us over the edge to full-scale adoption of digital pathology? Welcome to the Personalized Diagnostics Podcast. I'm Joe Anderson. Mike Bonham, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you, Joe. The last time we talked about how pathology is using a technology, basically a light microscope, to look at H&E stain sections that's been in use for over 150 years. DigPath has been with us for nearly 20 years. There's been somewhat lukewarm adoption, particularly in the United States. I think you said adoption of going fully digital is is less than 5%. But it seems like we're on the verge of something big. So, so why now? First answer is... All of medicine needs to make this digital transformation. It is inevitable in, in my mind. And at some point, you basically can't participate in the technology evolution that's happening. Pathology as a field you know, will be left behind if it doesn't adopt to, to the changing landscape. I think we have some tailwinds that the regulatory barriers that you know have been in place are starting to break down. There's a clear guidance in terms of what is needed on you know on the regulatory side. We also have the demand equation where as I talked about in the last show, you have increasing workload volumes, increased case complexity, increased requirements, you know, around companion diagnostics, while the pathology workforce itself is not growing at the same rate and you know in some instances is shrinking you know more importantly as an enabler the advances in hardware and software both in the computing power processing speed storage cost along with you know improvements in scanner technology that have increased the image quality the amount of time it takes to you know labor involved in in using a scanner are all beginning to sort of pay off and make it much more appealing finally we have bringing on computational algorithms that are taking advantage of the advances in artificial intelligence and deep learning that are becoming practical to use. And we're beginning to see some early promising results that I believe will really provide sort of an exponential value for, for being digital. So I think the confluence of factors that will drive the shift to digital for pathology. So have we reached the tipping point? And if so, is it going to be AI that pushes us over the edge? I think it's getting there. Momentum is is building. It will be interesting to see how fast the adoption curve moves once you know once that so-called tipping point or inflection point is reached. I know that many labs right now that I speak with are in the decision stage. They're contemplating how are they going to go digital? What is the plan? What will it take? In my experience, you're looking at a two to three year process from the moment a lab decides that they want to you know, adopt a, a digital workflow to the point where it's fully implemented in a clinical setting. We are seeing some centers such as UCSF really pioneering and making broad you know, advances in, in using digital pathology in a clinical setting. But, you know, I, I've also heard, you know, the pushback is that, well, people have been waiting for years for this switch to happen. You could also be skeptical and say, well, I've been waiting for this to happen for so long. What will be that tipping point? Perhaps it'll come from clinician demand. Perhaps it'll be driven by payers, by the healthcare system, requiring a better way to do pathology. Perhaps it'll come from pathologists who have grown up in a digital world and now entering the the practice and to them, the different comfort level for, for working digitally. So different, you know, different 
factors could get to that tipping point. But, you know, I think we are, in my mind, getting close. Yeah, it does seem like we maybe have a few holdouts still. So what is your, your strategy at ProSHA for supporting the digitization of pathology? Our, our mission at ProSHA is to change the way the world practices pathology, to build intelligent software that leverages these recent technology advances in a way that can reshape how we're thinking about and diagnosing diseases like cancer and ultimately drive clinical insights that impact the patient. The vision is to build technology to help labs move from a model that's, as we discussed, largely based on glass to one that's based on, on data or images. As a company, we use the data to train algorithms that we hope will help you know, alleviate the, the demands on pathologists and at the same time, improve practice by, by eliminating or reducing subjectivity and improving accuracy, which ultimately, uh, you know, enables better patient outcomes. Right. So you're talking about computational pathology and AI. Now, how is this different from image analysis, which was, which has been with us for since the late nineties, where basically a computer assisted device could mainly quantify immunohistochemistry. So you're basically saying, is it brown or is it not? And in what percentage? So, so how is this different than that? In my mind, it's really an extension of image analysis. The term image analysis is really describing the process to obtain meaningful information from images in, in an objective and reproducible manner. You're right, image analysis itself has been around for a long time, probably, I would say, even before the 90s. And, and over the past 30 to 40 years, we now have new tools that have allowed for the easier measurements, looking at both cellular and tissue uh, components and quantifying stain intensities. Starting around the year 2000, digital slide scanners began to become available. Whole slide imaging became increasingly common, but until recently, one of the limitations of image analysis was the size of the files were very large compared to the processing power available on the compute side. And so you're left with selecting out small portions of the image. Ultimately, the goal of image analysis is to provide precise and reproducible data, which can help reduce some elements of human bias and, and help uh, quantify the pathology review process, which is highly subjective. So I, I really sort of consider them to be image analysis to be included within AI. Okay. Now, is this approach going to move us forward? As an aside, I, I had the misfortune of looking at the package insert for PDO one IHC kit last night, and I was curious about the scoring system. And it said roughly, count up all the cells, count up all the cells that are positive, assign them an, an intensity. And nowhere in there did it discuss image analysis or AI or computer assistance in doing that. And this is something that went through the FDA approval process. And I was scratching my, my head. How could such a thing happen? I mean, because I look at it as counting cells is analogous to guessing how many jelly beans are in a large jar like you used to do as a kid. Oh, definitely, definitely. This is one of the biggest promises with image analysis. Im improvement in quantifying sort of shades of gray, so to speak, and, and counting. PDL1 is perhaps the, one of the best examples out there of a test which has benefit in that patients with certain results may respond to a drug. The process of identifying those patients has some challenges. And as you described, you're 
as a pathologist, you're at, you're asked to estimate, you know, is there one percent tumor cells that are that are staying, five percent tumor cells, ten uh, percent, and you're talking about slides that have thousands of tumor cells. So that estimation can be hard. On top of that, you also have to decide what gradient of stain is a positive result. It's not like you get a black and white, you know, image back. It's it's shades of brown, and so there's a threshold where something you know is positive. When you look at other tests we have, we do such as you know chemistry tests or some genomic tests, you're able to very precisely decide what's positive and what's negative, and and this is something that is not well suited for the human eye. So image analysis, you know, I think has a lot of promise to Im- improve the precision and, and accuracy and patient selection for um, companion diagnostic assays. What we're seeing now is that you're able to use more advanced algorithm techniques, such as some of the deep learning programs, which can improve upon existing traditional image analysis um, that has been on the market for the past 10 or 20 years. Now, what does AI mean for the surgical pathologist? Is it going to take their job away? Is it going to make them more efficient? Is it going to allow them to focus on more lofty tasks? To me, I'll tell you what, how I think AI benefits the pathologist. I, I think there's three primary areas. One is efficiency gains. Two is standardizing pathology review, and three is uh, pr- providing precision and, and new insights to enhance patient care. So let's walk through this. So efficiency, I think, is, is fairly easy for most people to understand. It is, in some ways, automating some of the more routine tasks that pathologists have to do, such as you know searching for small areas of, of interest, sort of the needle in the haystack problem, uh, but also you know, having an intelligent workflow, you know, in the same way when you, you know, listen to Pandora, it knows what song that, that you're going to like. And so if the AI is reading the cases before they come to the pathologist, they can be sorted in the way that's most preferable for the workflow. Maybe they're triaged to the pathologist who is probably, you know, best able to do the case or the expert pathologist, depending on the findings. So there's there's a whole there's a whole range of ways that, that AI can be used within a, a workflow setting. We've seen this already quite prominently being done in radiology. You know, it's beginning to, the concepts are beginning to translate over into pathology. Standardization is another important area. And again, it gets back to quantifying a tissue instead of having to subjectively say, you know, this is good or bad. When you ask pathologists, let's take melanocytic lesions. So these are lesions that are on on your skin, some of them are benign, like moles, and then some of them are are melanoma. The spectrum between a mole and a melanoma, you know, is is also a gradient. Some of the biopsies are in between, and they're called atypical. The problem is pathologists have a difficult time in some cases deciding if something's atypical, or is it melanoma, or is it benign. If you ask pathologists to look at the same the same biopsy, you'll see that the disagreement rates are quite high for many reasons, but if you had run it through an AI algorithm and you have a score, this case is 80% likely to be melanoma, for example. Now you have additional bit of data that you can use to help guide what your diagnosis is it going to be. 
doesn't give you a diagnosis, but it gives you additional information to help process the case. And the hope is all pathologists will have the same data in front of them. It could help drive concordance of what is the actual true diagnosis. So that's how AI can help with standardization. Precision and, and new insights, that's you know a very exciting area because it really gets into the fact that there's so much information lying within within the slide or the image that are really beyond the, the ability of the human to calculate and also correlate with outcomes. So you can imagine that you could take an image and then go straight and correlate it with patient outcome and basically say these patients did well, these patients did bad. And then you say, then you look for differences in the, in the images that might correlate. And the key is you have to have so many data points in order to make that correlation. That enables the possibility that through an image alone, you have a greater sense and greater granularity in, in terms of what to do um, you know, for treatment. Yeah, we spoke last time and we were talking about how pathologists were very good at what they do, or they're very good at what's been asked of them. That's not to say there's not tremendous amount of variability or ambiguity. Uh, melanocytic lesions or melanomas is maybe the one area of pathology where many people would be surprised. Some cases are challenging, and it's not clear in some cases whether something is benign or malignant. And then in other areas, such as breast cancer or prostate cancer, making the diagnosis is not a problem, but it's a question of how aggressively should the patient be treated. Is this going to be an indolent tumor or an aggressive tumor? Now, is this an area where we're going to be able to make a big improvement? Yes, exactly. That's 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 what I was getting at, in that there are different challenges. And every every type of cancer or every disease has its own challenge. And so we like to joke that there's like 20,000 problems to solve in pathology. And, and so each problem has to ha be handled separately. You know, perhaps in one disease, the hard part is telling, being able to determine if something is malignant or not. In another disease, easy to tell if it's something's malignant, but then is it a bad malignant case or maybe not so bad? And this is where it's very hard to get good concordance. And so I believe that we will see some sort of prognostic test based off of images. It'll be interesting to see how that compares to both the pathology-generated diagnosis and some of the prognostic testing we're seeing in genomics. Are they complementary? Are they, are they synergistic? Are they competitive in terms of utility? We just don't know the answer, but I think the amount of data there suggests that we should be able to draw some correlations. Last time we talked about regulatory barriers coming down. There have been two FDA approvals in this country, I believe, for the primary diagnosis of tumors using digital pathology. And recently, ProSha received a CE mark in Europe. Can you tell us the significance of this? Number one, for ProSha, it means we're, you know, we're maturing as a company. We have a quality management system, which people might be surprised in it's an afterthought in some other smaller health tech companies. What it really means is that we are building software that is compliant with the stricter quality demands that are needed in healthcare. And so that's that's you know an important milestone for us as a company to demonstrate that we can meet these standards. The CE mark itself shows that we have the quality controls, the processes documentation in place to allow us to 
market our software for a pathologist to generate a primary diagnosis in areas of, of Europe and Latin America. And so they will be using Concentric. So it is an important milestone for us, and we would like to cross other regulatory milestones in both the pathology diagnosis side as well as the AI application side. So what would you say to pathologists or labs out there who are maybe on the fence and considering going digital? I think it's important for labs to, to really think about the future. I think digital pathology has been around. You have to understand that digital pathology is not about trading the microscope for the monitor. This isn't about hub and spoke models, you know, saving on FedEx packages. Those things are nice, but those maybe squeeze out five or 10% efficiency gains. So digital pathology, in my mind, really needs to be thought of as a platform enabler for AI and all that it, it will bring in the future. Digital pathology is the only way that labs will be able to fully participate in this technology revolution that is here now. And so at ProSer, we have built these solutions and we want to help pathologists take the next step. What challenges or hurdles do you think we're going to face in the next decade? Well, in, in pathology, there are, in terms of using AI, there there are some, some challenges, of course. For number one, for the practicing pathologist who has been very good at, at what they do, you know, in terms of providing diagnostic information. They have very little tech technical understanding of the underlying algorithms that are being built um, you know, using AI. So it's hard to understand. If you don't understand how something works, it's hard to, to figure out what the results mean. As pathologists, we're very, part of our job is to assess any type of test, you know, determine, is this an accurate test? What is the error rate? Is this you know, a useful test? For the most part, it's pretty easy to figure out what these tests do. Um, especially in, in anatomic pathology. But AI, it's, it's hard to grasp what's happening um, on the algorithm side. So I think that, that will be a difficulty in terms of, you know, and also just bringing on AI clinically, it really hasn't been done yet. And so the field is, is sorting out what type of evidence do we need to show, both from a risk point of view and a benefit point of view. How do we validate these AI applications in, in a clinical setting? What is the ground truth that are used to generate these algorithms. Uh, there's there's different thoughts and we haven't sort of settled on, on some standards there. I will say that our field is working on it right now. So I think those are probably the, the biggest barriers that I see. There are some, I think that there may be some reluctance on some over the concept of AI being involved in pathology and, and mistrust of it and fear of the unknown. The more and more the field can provide information and data about how the algorithms are working and how they were generated and sort of avoid that you know, so-called black box dilemma, that will be a benefit to the field. Mike Bonham, Chief Medical Officer of ProSHA. How can people learn more about you and ProSHA? Yes, I would encourage anyone who wants to learn more to go to uh, ProSHA.com. We also have a Twitter and, and LinkedIn site, and you can also follow me on LinkedIn if you're interested. I try to post you know, articles of interest that I come across. Our guest has been Dr. Mike Bonham, Chief Medical Officer of ProSHA. We'll see you next time on the Personalized Diagnostics Podcast.